Navy. All right, get off your phone. <laughs> Unless you got the Bible app and you're taking notes, all right? But if you see somebody ahead of you and they're on Facebook, unless they are Facebooking live an amazing sermon being preached by none other than Scott Hendricks um, last week. Didn't he do a great job? Scott, you did an awesome job last week. Um, matter of fact, I, I must say I stole something from you. I made a slide. So, bro, you inspired me, all right? You created change in me, and uh, I appreciate him. So proud of him um, from where he's come and, and what God has called him to do. So it's just awesome. So uh, anyway, yeah, like Pastor Stevie said, we had our board meeting this, uh, a couple months ago, I guess it was last month, and our heart is to give 10% of what our general fund income is. And we realized, okay, we had, we had such a good income, we were short, and so we were able to uh, bless Pastor Robin Megan Wright um, of Sunny Ridge Assembly of God. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we were able to send them $5,000 for their building project. They're growing. Um, if you didn't know that, we've actually have five, or five, I'm sorry, three pastors that were on staff here are now pastoring churches in the valley. Um, and they didn't take half the church to do it. They, that was their call. Uh, just so you know, it was a healthy thing, and uh, they're all three doing a great job. And then uh, some missionaries were home on furlough. They had like an emergency room visit with their kid, and so we sent them 1000 to help cover that. Um, and then we put aside about 20000 in our community outreach fund. And so we were looking for ways in our community community uh, this coming summer just to be a blessing, you know, to do to do what God wants us to do. Um, we've supported E3 Church next door. Uh, we've given them about 6000 last year. Pastor Brian Taylor doing a phenomenal job. I just believe what they're doing. So um, we believe in kingdom, and as long as they're preaching Jesus and we feel led like by the Holy Spirit to give, that's what we do. So uh, we don't take that lightly, uh, but it is fun to be able to be a blessing because we have been there. Like as a church, when we were small, where somebody just felt led to give us a check. You know what you great when somebody feels led to give you a check? That always feels good. It's like, all right, this is good. Um, so that's what we're doing. And then, of course, you know, we're getting ready to build. It's going to be an amazing thing. So uh, we are in a new series today. What today is, to me, is a foundational message. We are, um, over the next several weeks, going to go through the life of David, uh, who become King David, um, out of Samuel 16. So what I would ask you to do is read ahead on that. Uh, we're going to do a couple New Testament verses today regarding his life. Um, and so I, I, my title for today is, uh, is Progress Has a Process. Progress has a process. And we had a great first service. This place was full and, and it was active. Um, and, and I didn't tell them this. So you guys, this is special to you because I forgot to tell them first service because I'm 51 now and I forget stuff. Uh, here, here's, here's, okay, write this down because I just wrote it down this morning. Some of you can be so focused on the fight that we forget there's a finish. You get so focused on the fight that we forget that we're going somewhere. And, uh, and so today, again, progress has a process. And uh, this last week, I think it was either Monday or Tuesday, I woke up early. When you get old, you wake up early. You don't mean to. Does anybody just not set their clock? Like five o'clock hits, and you're, of course, I do go to bed at 9.30, so that probably has something to do with it. Uh, but I woke up at five, and I was, usually it's my prayer time and, and my study time, and uh, about, I don't know, I thought, you know, I was going to go down to the church office, so I got in the truck, I came in here about 6.30, and, um, and I drove in, and it was in the dark, and I, 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 pull, I always... I always do the, the cop thing. I drive through the parking lot. I look at doors and windows. I just have this habit of looking at stuff. Um, I can't even tell when the, the nursery fan got left on because it was a rough Sunday, like for diapers. In the nursery, there's a big exhaust fan, and I look at the little flaps because to me, that's energy, and energy equals money, and you give the money, so I come in and shut the light up because it's wasting electricity. It's not that I'm an environmentalist because I'm not. I just like saving a buck. So... 
All right, because those turbines spin whether you use it or not. So anyway, so I'm, I'm driving through, and there's a semi-truck parked out there. Now, we were told uh, about five different delivery dates for the steel. Originally, it was like, yeah, break ground, you know, in April. Then it was July. Then it was, well, maybe October. Then it was, and it just kept going. And, and so I was not expecting the delivery. I thought maybe March, okay, because they just didn't know. And so I drive in, and there's a semi-truck out there, and I'm going, oh, that's kind of weird. Maybe a guy needed to go to sleep, so I parked. And, and then I hear the semi running. I said, okay, it's a sleep sleeper cab, so he, he's in there. I'm assuming it's a he. Ladies, don't get all bent out of shape. There's lemon truck drivers too. Um, all right. But I'm just assuming it was a he, and my assumption was correct, because I am a man of God, so I did hear the Spirit's voice. It was a guy that got out of the truck. Okay. We'll just leave it at that, all right? And so I realized that the steel was delivered not when I expected it, and it was delivered in the darkness. And that's what God does to us most of the time. When he promises you something, he doesn't tell you this is exactly when it's going to happen. This is how it's going to happen. It's like you just show up to work and all of a sudden it's happening. And so I was excited and then the next truck showed up. Uh, and at 7.30 is when I actually realized it was our building because the high lift, I could hear him coming down the road. You know, this and then I was like, oh, I pulled into my parking lot and I pulled out and they're going to unlift the steel. So I went out there to be a responsible individual. I said, where are you going to dump all that stuff? Because don't put it on my ball field, bro. Like that's, thus saith the Lord. No. And so they already had it planned out, but I just wanted to be sure. And so they, they delivered that. God often delivers his promises in the darkness. Right, very, very seldom do we know exactly when God's timing is, and, and that's kind of what progress is. There's a process to it, all right? And so the foundation of today is, is on our series, and this is why we are doing this series. Okay, we, we need this series. But I ask myself this question, why do we need to hear this? I've discovered that in life, just because I'm interested in it doesn't mean you're going to be. Like, there are some things that I find in the Bible, I'm like, man, this is awesome, and then I share it with people, and they're like, and... Like, this is changing your life. They're like, no, it's not. Jesus changed my life. This is just information. All right? You ever have somebody like that? My wife and I, we were sitting in the hot tub the other night, and, and just, we live by the train tracks, and, and so the train's going by. And uh, she was sitting there looking at, she was kind of looking down, and, and I said, hey, see all the, the train carts with lights on? I said, those are reefer units. And if you grew up in the 60s, it has a totally different meaning than what I'm going to explain. Um, <laughs> Or you're from Washington or California, Oregon, heck, every state surrounding Idaho. Uh, not a reefer, not a joint, but an actually refrigeration unit. It's an abbreviation. And so and she paused like four seconds and the train went by and then she looked up. Exactly. That's what I did. I, that was perfect timing. I was like, in my mind, I was like, you missed it. And then I thought, she's not interested in it. She doesn't care about reefer units. My brain wants to know what kind of meat's in those babies because it's a lot of cash. They're like, what's, what's being refrigerated? That's just how my brain thinks. And uh, try being married to that. <laughs> Matter of fact, please come to our, our marriage life group tonight because I need counseling. <laughs> I expected a bigger laugh than that, but um, <laughs> I need counseling. And, and my brain went, oh, she's not interested. So just because I was interested in the reefer units... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, doesn't mean she was, okay? So the next time a reefer unit goes by, I'll be like, that's not even worth it, all right? Now, I'll be like, that one is full of buckle clothing or TJ Maxx. And, and instantly she would be like, what, oh, TJ Maxx? Train full of TJ Maxx? Then she would be like praying for Jesus, let the train wreck right by my house because it would be a word from you if TJ Maxx spilled over. Now, she probably wouldn't do that, but the point was, 
is, is I don't want to give you something you can't take home. I don't want to just give you Bible information, have a nice day. This needs to be life-changing, and it is. It is life-changing because, again, progress in our life has a process, all right? So I have to ask you this question as we launch mostly next week into to David's life and how he became who he was. All right, we're going to go through that process. But let me ask you this question, all right? Uh, here's why you need to hear this, and then I'll ask you the question, because you have a purpose for being on this earth. You have a purpose. You have a reason for being here. God doesn't save you just to sit. He saves you so that you can serve on your way. We will look at Jesus' life and how Jesus, he came to do what? Basically one thing, and that was to die on a cross for us and come out of the grave. I guess that's two, okay? The, the main thing, but he did good works in the process. He didn't come down and just hang out fishing and go, yep, when I'm 33 and a half, it's going to go down. No, he did all this stuff okay, before the actual reason he came because he could have came and healed all these people and not died on the cross and we'd all still go to hell. We'd go to hell healed, right? But, but what's the point? So he did good things on the way to the cross. Okay, let me ask you this question. When you think of David, what do you think of most? Like the world. Like what is one thing that he did? Goliath, okay. Goliath. When you think of David and Goliath, even non-Christians know that. You hear sports commentators say, this is David taking on Goliath. All right. As if everybody should know the story, and most people do. But I will tell you something about Goliath. Goliath was just the end result of a lot of preparation and willingness. Okay? He was the result of what David had been doing for years before that moment. All right, And that day, he wasn't even looking for a fight. Or to be a hero. He was simply obeying his dad. His dad said, hey, take this food to your brother. So he did. And that's when he saw this Goliath going, ah. And David's like, who is this dog? Like, I'll kill this guy. And, and that's what, you know, 17-year-olds do. That's why we sent 17-year-olds off to war. Right? Because when you're 26-year-old, often they go, hey, that could hurt. Right? They talk about the brain and all that. But, but that's what we do. We send our young men, and that's what David was. And it wasn't, again, he wasn't looking for, you know, this opportunity to be a hero. It just presented himself, and because of his preparation, he was able to deal with Goliath at that moment. And that's really what this foundation is, is all about, is that God is doing something in our life, even when we don't realize what he's doing. Our job is to be faithful. Why? Because an opportunity will present itself. David is mentioned about a thousand times in the Bible. That's a lot of mentions, right? And they're not all good. We're not all good. So let's just get into this. Luke writes about him in the book of Acts, and this is the verses we focused on today. It's David's beginning and David's ending. And if you didn't know anything about David's in between, you would think, dude, this guy was solid. I mean, he served God his whole life. He always made good decisions. He didn't sin. He didn't do nothing wrong. Um, and here's where it starts, Acts chapter six, uh, 13, verse 22. Am I talking too fast for you? Good. All right. Listen better. <laughs> I have a tendency to talk fast. But it's better than talking real slow. Because by the time we got out of church, life groups were about to start. Okay, so, so I'll try to be balanced here. Here's the story. After removing Saul, this isn't the Saul of the New Testament. This is King Saul, the first king of Israel. Uh, Israel wanted a king. God's like, you don't need a king. And they're like, we need a king. Well, God gave him what he wanted. They give Israel what they wanted. And Saul, he said, you get this king. He's going to do a lot of things who you don't like. Have you ever prayed for something because you think you wanted it? Then you got it. Then you realize you wish you wouldn't have got it. <laughs> Some of you are like, my marriage is like that. All right, come to my group tonight. I'll tell you, you made the choice. <laughs> You done did, <laughs> all right? I'll tell you how to navigate that stuff. 
But some of you have made choices, if not all of us have made choices, because we really had to have it, and then all of a sudden we realized what the cost was. It might be a new car, a house that you, you know, just because you can, you, you ever qualify for a house? Hey, we qualify for this much. Okay, don't buy a house at the top of your qualification. Because that's all you will pay for, right? You, you, you can't think that way, okay? You got to be financially responsible. And, and they gave, God allowed Israel to have a king, and his name was Saul, and he ended up being a pretty bad king. Uh, he started out bad, he made some bad decisions, but he was very insecure. He made a lot of his decisions on his insecurity. And, and then he basically just walked away from God. And, and he was like, I'm just going to do my own thing. Well, God removed him. David would be brought up to bring a king. Uh, king Saul would be a king over Israel for about 40 years. Okay? So there was a big process for David to become the king as a young man. He had to go through a lot of stuff. But here's, here's what God says about David. He says, he, he testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my what? My own heart. He will do everything I want him to do, and a lot of things that he didn't want him to do, too. He committed adultery. He murdered the husband. He lied. He stole. He did all kinds of stuff. Matter of fact, I think he broke every commandment. Every one. Okay? And yet God says, he's a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now, I don't think anybody in this place has done all the bad things that David did. Right, so, so you can't say, well, I'm disqualified because of something in my past. If God is willing to forgive a man like David, he is absolutely willing to forgive you. Okay, absolutely. Verse 36 goes on, it says this, for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep or he died. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed, all right? And then he, it says he would go on to be um, you know, just basically remembered as this man that served God. So if you didn't know who David was, if this is the first time you heard this David, okay, he, he'll do everything God wants him to do. He's a man from my heart. And then he served God's purpose and then he died. Man, what a, what a good guy. Didn't have any, nothing messed up in his life. But it's the in-between that we're going to talk about, okay? It's, it's the beginning and how he became a man after God's own heart. And then some stuff that he did that he, he made a lot of mess of a lot of people. All right. So the question I'll ask you at this point is this, is if your life was summarized in the Bible, what would it say? If, if, if this was you, if your name was replaced, like with, with, or David's name was replaced with your name, what would it say about you? What would it say about you? The, the good news is, is you're still here. So you have an opportunity to make a difference. Like if you've been living the opposite direction of God wants you to do, you can change course. Okay. But the moment you breathe your last is the moment your choice is sealed. Okay, what will you do with the rest of your life? Regardless of what you've done to this point, what will you do with the rest of it? Because I can tell you, you can serve God for 50 years and decide after 50 years, you know what, I'm just going to go do my own thing and become a train wreck. Okay, you, you can do that. You can make those decisions. You ever seen those professional athletes who, I mean, they have an amazing career and then they blow one play in a World Series or a football game, lose, you know, lose the, the, the championship and that's what they're remembered for? It's unfair because humans are very cruel. That's not how God works. Aren't you glad that God doesn't work like that? Amen. He doesn't look like, hey, you did oh, oh, oh man, that's, that's sorry. No, no, God forgives us and he gives us grace, okay? But how you live determines what is gonna be said about you. This is new in my notes, okay? I, I think I thought of this yesterday. You'll either be remembered by what defeated you or what you defeated. How will you be remembered, all right? Now, here's the good news, okay? 
I think David was very passionate. Um, I don't think he often thought things through. I think he just went for it. You know, you know anybody like that? They're like, lots of passion, but they all make bad decisions too. It's like, oh, another cute girl. Hey, I want her too. And I already got seven wives. That, you know, David did that with Bathsheba. He did a lot of things. The thing about David, because he had plenty of issues, was that he was just willing to serve God. Even amidst his mistakes, he was willing to serve God. And, and here's what I, I believe, that he was a man after my own heart, God says, because he knew how to get forgiven when he blew it. See, David was a man who never really denied. When he got called on the carpet, or maybe sand, or the tile, I guess it was back in Egypt, probably no carpet, but you know what I mean? When he got called on something, he went, my bad. That was my fault, you're right. Okay, with the sin with Bathsheba, okay, sleeps there, kills her husband, and then he gets her pregnant. It's a, it's a mess. And when Nathan the prophet comes up and, and he's like confronts him, David realizes, I'm that, I am that guy. I did do that. That was on me. Never make any excuses. David always, that I, I see, took ownership of his mistakes. And I think that's what made him a man for God's own heart, is he sought God's forgiveness when he made his mistakes. He never gave up on God. Okay, so God never gives up on you, so don't give up on him. Amen. I don't know where you're at. In your life, God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for progress. Amen. He's not looking for perfect. He's not going to find perfect. He knows that, but he is looking for progress. We should be progressing in our walk with God. We should be maturing. We should be growing. Okay, healthy things naturally grow. And progress does not equal perfection. Okay, we should aim for perfection, and in doing so, we will see improvement. Some of you are all too perfectionist, okay? I have been accused of being OCD, but I'm not. I'm not obsessive. I'm not compulsive, and I don't have a disorder, right? But here's something I have to admit to you. The, sheer, the chairs you were sitting in are perfectly aligned for a reason. Yesterday, we had the Pinewood Derby. You ever the Pinewood Derby? That was a blast. We should, okay, next year, I want to have a crash derby, too. Like, build a car that we can smash, jump in. We can do all kinds of things. Like, set it on fire. Launch, well, we'll do cool stuff. Um, maybe a little CO2 cartridge, see what happens with that. But, but these chairs, we got them back, put them back pretty easy because your pastor, about a year or two ago, came in, he was frustrated. I just got a, I'm third person here. So your pastor was really frustrated with chairs. He would come in to work and he would see them crooked and, and, just, and it just bothered him because he likes things symmetrical. And I think, Matt, was it you, Thorson, that somebody put, posted a thing with a crooked angle? That was you. I see it embedded into my memory for all you OCD people. He posted this thing that had a crooked angle. I had to keep scrolling. I was like, no, you can't have, you have to be straight up and down. Like no leaning tower pizza things, right? It's got be, so thanks, Matt, for, but he's a counselor, so I can go to him and say, you inflicted this injury on me, um, and I expect it to be free, because you caused it. Um, all right, I like straight up and down, I like angles, okay? And, and so what I did is I came in here when nobody was in the church building, it was just me and Jesus, and it was a godly moment, and I, I got a tape measure, I got string lines, and I, and I measured off the wall every row perfectly 22 inches apart and I, I colored on the carpet because I'm the pastor and I can right and I color I put red dots like on the front legs so that when we have events we can put them back perfectly to my liking because I can't preach under the anointing when the chairs are crooked it just it just can't um, and so first service I was messing with this so they probably moved them I had one guy say I moved the chair just a little bit just to get you praise God I'll pray for you 
because you just brought down the fire from heaven upon you for messing with God's church chairs. Uh, no, so I'm not OCD. I just like things done right. Just, there's a difference, right? There's a difference. I like things done right. Yes, I wash my garage out every Friday. But I just want it done right, right? So we can have these standards, but we, we oftentimes look for perfection when really what we should be looking for is progress. Okay, we can do this with our kids, with our children, with our, our marriages, okay? In doing so, again, we'll see, we'll see improvement, okay? Aim for perfection, but we'll see improvement. Uh, you remember that show with Tim Allen called uh, Home Perfection? Ah, uh, got you guys too. Some of you are like, what? No, it's home what? Home improvement. Not home perfection. Why? Because you can't be perfect in your home. And he's got, you know, he's got these ideas and he does these things and he blows things up, you know, and, and, and his wife's always getting on to him. And then you have Wilson. Yeah. You have Wilson who's always looking over the fence. Okay. Because I built a fence and it was too tall. Um, no. So Wilson's always looking and what's Wilson? Wilson is always giving advice. He, he, Tim would mess up and he's like, no, 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 Tim, your, your wife, usually it starts out his sentence, your wife heard you say this, but this is really how it came across. And, and, you know, and it's always really solid advice. And then I realized he's getting marriage advice from a man who is not married. At least that we know of. Okay. And it's easy to give advice when you don't really know a whole lot about the situation. But the good news is with Wilson is that he gave Tim solid advice on his marriage, on how he raised kids, on what he did. And we all need a Wilson in our life. We all need somebody who can see from a different perspective, okay, our situation and go, you know, here's my assessment on that. See, the Holy Spirit can be Wilson, but we often ignore him. So God will usually put a human in our life, okay, to be Wilson, to say, hey, stop. This is what you're doing. This is why you, why it caused what it did. All right, our job is just to listen, okay? It's just to listen. So here's what I'm gonna ask us to do. Hold ourselves to high standards. Like in our walk with God, I tell you, don't be legalistic, but try to be holy. Try to, try to do what's right. Try to stay away from sin as much as you can. And when you fall, repent. But we, we shouldn't look just like the world. We should look different. We should talk different, okay? We shouldn't laugh at the dirty jokes. I, when I work construction, I had people, hey, you wanna hear a joke? And I would say, is it clean? And it would always throw them off. I, I, they're like, okay, what's clean? Like, because they knew what I did. If it was dirty, I didn't want to hear it. And I just, that was my standard. I just don't want to hear it. All right. So I was like the favorite of all the contractors. Yeah. All right. Hold yourself to a high standard. Okay. When you see an opportunity where you can help do it, do it. When you can help somebody, do it. All right. Help people. That's how I grew up. My family helped people. My mom and dad, they helped people. And they're still helping people. That, that's how we grew up. So when you see a need, meet the need. Uh, my brother and I, uh, anybody ever been to Eureka, California? Yep. Northern California? That was inland from where I grew up. And um, it was about a two-hour drive, about a 20-minute flight in a Cessna. We always chose the Cessna if possible. And, uh, and one day, my brother and I were in town. I don't remember what my dad was doing, but we were just kind of hanging out. Uh, I think he was doing some business uh, at a little shop thing. And my brother and I were watching this guy in a wheelchair and he was going up the sidewalk and uh, he was bald. Shout out to all the bald guys. Okay, he was bald. Hey, it's good. You guys have got some good head, good heads in here. So he, he, he flipped over. I guess he was trying to make it up that he flipped over and cars were driving by him. He's laying there on the sidewalk. His head was bleeding. That's how I remember he was bald. He had blood and nobody was stopping. 
And we were like, what's going on? So we ran over there. We dodged traffic. We went over there, helped him up. And he was super thankful, helped him into his place. And he wasn't hurt that bad, but, um, but just bleeding. And it was just one of those moments to why, why wouldn't people stop to help a guy like that? But how my dad taught us is when you see a need, you do what you can to help the need. Like if all possible, help that person. So all of us have a desire to make a difference in this world. I really believe that. And I believe that it's a God-given thing. Even the hardest criminal okay, would stop and get a toddler out of the street. Okay? Something is in us that God made to help people. All right, um, So the world says, make life about you. Jesus said, make life about others. Make life about others. Live your life with a purpose to help other people. There's not ever going to be, God's not going to, you know, when you get to heaven, he's, he's not going to go, well done, you got lots of things. You, you, man, you really acquired a lot of stuff. You'd be like, Jesus, did you see the Lamborghini he drove? Sweet. God is not going to praise you for what you acquired. He's going to praise you for what you did. All right? So I, when I get to heaven, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Problem is there's a hell and they're going to hear a lot of well done too. Let that sink in. Well done, right? Burnt. Okay. Our job as a church, our heart is to prevent as many people to go to hell as possible. To preach Jesus in a way that's, that's, that makes sense to people so that we don't spend eternity in hell because that's a serious thing. See, it's not what makes you happy is stuff, all right? I personally deal with a lot of frustrated people. Anybody else have a job that's like that? Pretty much every job is like that, right? Call centers are the best. Anybody work at a call center? I kind of work at a call center. It's a spiritual call center. You can call me up. All right. Uh, if you work at a call center, mostly, most of the time you're getting a phone call. Why? Because people are super happy about their service. They just want to call and tell you thank you. Right? right? If you work in law enforcement, people are waving at you because they really appreciate you. I know that's actually pretty true. All right. But, but sometimes okay, you get waved at and some fingers are missing. Right? Yeah, wait till it all goes down and they need you. Then they'll call you, right? So I deal with a lot of frustrated people, life situations, relationships, or lack of, and my heart really is to inspire you to live a life that truly matters, to refocus, to say, okay, what am I really doing with my life, all right? Here's what I know. God looks at us like his kids, and when we see our kids helping other people, it makes them proud, just like it makes us proud. When we see our kids being selfish, not so much pride, right? We usually correct that. So God wants us to use our lives to help the lives of other people. Here's what I know. I don't know of anyone who is living a life God wants them to live who is completely frustrated with life. Frustrated moments, yes, but not frustrated with life. When I know people that are just, man, this is what God has called me to do and I'm doing it, there's not a lot of frustration, okay? They, because they know their purpose. Frustrating moments, yes, because we'll have those, but they know what life is and they know what God has called them to do and they're doing it. So do I live intentional or do I just let life happen? See, when we let life happen, just like a garden, if you let a garden happen, if you go throw some seeds in and go, okay, in Jesus' name, and walk away, mostly weeds are going to grow. You might get an you know, occasional good thing, but, but what's, a garden has to be cultivated, right? It has to be weeded. It has to be taken care of, and our walk with God is really just like that. So do I live intentionally, or do I just let life happen? A question I heard recently at a pastor's conference I went to, and I've heard it before, and, and so for, for those of us that are in full-time ministry, this is what we do. This, this question means a little more to us. Um, but it can be asked in a different way. And here's the question here. But just because you're not on stage or maybe on staff, if you're a church family member and you come here, this should mean something to you. And here's the question. If your church closed its doors today, would your city notice tomorrow? That's a big deal. 
I, I could say in our, our church, yes, okay, because we've been here for a long time. We know a lot of people. We've had a pretty good influence in our community. But if your church closes doors today with your city notice tomorrow, that's a, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. That's something that we should ta- all take serious. Like if this is our church family, okay, how serious am I taking that? Um, and I should take it serious because the, the city sure should know if you closed your doors. Because if they don't know, that means you weren't making much of a difference, if any. Right? Anybody go to Taco Bell recently? I don't know if it's been open recently, okay? But, but I, I see the CUNA must know. All right, went to Taco Bell and it was closed. There was no sign. Um, you know, and I think they were improving that and I don't not want to pick on Taco Bell. It's just the one that I can think of. If you give me free tacos for a month, I'll promote your, um, <laughs> no, no. Okay, but the problem was, is it was people were showing up and it was closed. It was like, so I have to say it was actually making a difference. Okay, people were like, hey, I want this, but it's not available. I wish Jesus was like that. I wish people took Jesus that serious. Like I went to get Jesus and he was not available because the doors were closed, right? No, our doors have to be open, okay? Not just physically, but our hearts to tell people about Christ. Okay, we have to be open. So anyway, that was a question that was big to me. Like if we closed our doors with the, with the city notice tomorrow, I sure hope so. If you didn't show up for work, let's make it up applicable to you, would it make a difference? If you're a stay-at-home parent and you just decided not to show up, would it make a difference? Absolutely, Okay. Absolutely, it would. People would know. So with David's life, okay, we see this good ending, and we all want that. We all want a good ending. But the question is, is are you willing to go through the process to have a good ending? Like, it's a process. You want a good marriage? Well, there's a process, right? You want a, a, good, a good career? There's a process. It's not just handed to you. And so what I want to do now is shift just a little bit and talk about uh, uh, 2022, like the significance of this year to me. Okay, what does it mean to me personally? Because again, we're about to launch into a building project. Um, but I will tell you this, that you, you're not supposed to give up when it gets hard. Okay, don't give up when it gets hard. Why is 2022 significant year for me personally? Um, it'll be, it'll mark 25, 25 years here at, at our church. Okay, that's, that's cool. Okay, because I've been here since I was six. Started... And I was 26 when we came. Uh, 25 years here at the church. That will be in November. Uh, 30 years married in August. If I make it, if I pass the marriage classes that we're starting tonight. Um, all right. Uh, new building number five is our fifth building project, uh, which is pretty big. And so wouldn't it be cool to be 25 years here, 30 years married, and then into our new building by Christmas? I think that would be awesome. Um, I don't know if that's feasible, but doggone it, I'll be in the building whether you're in here or not. If it's in the rain, I'll be in the building. I'll be standing out there. Okay, we have a healthy church, and I love it. What I am hoping to do and what I think we are doing is building something that outlasts us. That's my heart, okay? There's a reason that we're building it out of steel because we knew you would show up, and, and you said, if I went into a church building, it would collapse. We've solved your problem. <laughs> Okay, if you're online and you're online watching home and thank you for being online if you're online. Okay, we're gonna build the next one out of steel too. Now, if you're not serving God, don't sit by the post because they're pretty good lightning rods. Like I just stay away from those if you don't wanna serve God. But, but there's a reason, okay, that we're building something and I wanna build something that outlasts us. Now, when I, I thought about 25 years, okay, we're here 25 years, uh, that's 9,125 days. That's a lot. Hey, and I can tell you the story in about 30 minutes. In about 30 minutes, the story of, of when we came and, and where we are now and why the, it's so significant to me. Now, I had meant to buy a couple dollar store bag of cheese puffs, and, uh, and I, I failed to do that. 
but I saved two bucks, actually two fifty, because it rains a dollar twenty-five, another dollar for the change of sign. So what I wanted is have a bag of cheese puffs, and then I wanted to have a bag of cheese puffs that was all condensed and crushed up, which would be about this big. Okay. So think about this. You can eat a whole bag of cheese puffs and only fill this much of your stomach. It's a way to think about your health. <laughs> Healthy food, right? It's all condensed down. So so what what is the significance of what I'm about to tell you? Well, you're part of a dream. You're part of a vision. You're part of something that we've been working at for a long time. Okay, when my wife and I first came here, uh, again, we were 26 years old. You know, this, a lot of you probably don't know the story. And um, I was a youth pastor in California. And it didn't work out very well. Um, actually, it worked out just fine because I, I got here. But it wasn't as long as we intended. Um, and, and so we came back to Idaho, not really knowing what God wanted us to do. And I wanted to pastor a church. That was kind of my heart. I started feeling the call to pastor. We'd been in full-time ministry for uh, six years at that point. And, you know, after six years, Stephen, you know this, you know everything. I mean, it's like I am the gift to God's church. Six years of ministry. Um, <laughs> no, no. That's what happens when you get out of Bible college. When you graduate Bible college, you're like, I am a man of God, and I'm God's man of faith and power. I'm going to change the world. There is a church that just is waiting for my ministry. No, there is a church waiting for you to mop the floors, clean the toilets, trim the trees, mow the grass, water the grass, and everything else that an associate youth children's pastor does, okay? I was not afraid of hard work, all right? And you shouldn't be when you're in ministry. Matter of fact, as, as a pastor, you should not be lazy. You should work, right? You should know what, the, what people do during the week, and you should work, um, or at least know what it is and respect it. All right. And so, so we did that. And then we got into some full time where we didn't have to do the gardening and all that, even though I was willing to. Uh, and so six years later, you know, I really felt the call to pastor church. And so uh, we were in California for five months at that point. We'd started here, went to Washington for a little bit, then California, and then came home. And, uh, and so it was like, okay, what's available? There was a little church in Kew and a little church in Mel Melba available. And, and they said, well, Melba's a starter church. And I'm like, what's a starter church? Like a church you can kind of learn how to get beat up and realize that ministry isn't all what you think it is because there's mean people. I mean, been part anybody grew up in church? If you grew up in church, raise your hand. If you didn't grow up in church, all churches are just lovely. Everybody gets along all the time, just like us. Um, there's no scars from previous churches, all right? No. If you grew up in church, you kind of know that. People can be mean, and we don't allow that here. That's why we're peaceful. Amen. So, so we came here, and, and CUNA was open, and, and so my wife was like, well, let's go look at it. So I drove out, and, and I drove up. Guys, I was in the flesh. If you don't know the building, okay, if you go across the tracks, um, it's CUNA Cave Kids or um, Alpha Home Systems, right? Okay, still there. I'm still there. It, that's, it's on the sign. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think Mike's here, right? Mike here? Okay, that's, so that's where it's at. By Cuna Lumber. So our, our building was a little 40 by 60 building. And so we interviewed, and, uh, you know, and, and I remember the one question a lady asked me. She says, this, this is great. She says, I'm 26, right? She goes, what makes you think you can pastor us? <laughs> you know when your, your brain's not quite developed yet, and you just answer like, well, I, you know, God, guys, he provides. I didn't really know the intent behind it. Like what she was warning me of? <laughs> what makes you think? Can you imagine substitute teaching and going into a class and have all those kids go, what makes, you, what makes you think you can do this? Right? You're kind of in trouble anyway. But it was a great question. And it was a question that, that was asked, I believe, out of a good motive. And so we interviewed and, and ended up trying out and uh, I didn't actually want to go because I was like, this building is little. You know, we had like 150 kids in our youth group. And this, guys, this is pride talking. 
Like, here it is. God, I'll serve you wherever you want me to serve you as long as the church runs a thousand people and I have a great car. No. God will start you out at the bottom just to see if you'll make it. So if that's where you're at now, there's only way, one way, and then one way's up, right? Okay. Like I said, rock bottom is a pretty good place to build a foundation. This wasn't rock bottom for us. It was just an opportunity. And so when I looked at the building, I was like, oh, I don't want it. My wife's like, no, we have to at least go to church on Sunday. So we came to church on Sunday. It was 15 people. And when I sat, I, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew this is where we're supposed to be. And then I got the salary package. It was, it was amazing. hundred grand a year, private jet, uh, helicopter. <laughs> no, it was uh, $300 a month plus housing, okay, which was a double wide trailer next to the building. Some of you know the story. Okay, so we're like, oh yeah, well, I might be able to do that. I got a family, got two kids. Chris is pregnant, right? So I'm thinking this through. I know how to paint houses, so I'll have to work. And so uh, what we didn't realize was that the Parsonage mobile home was also Sunday school, kids' church, and Wednesday night Bible study. Okay, it was because it was that's how it was used. Uh, I remember the time of walking out of the bathroom in the house, and there was a man standing in our living room. I was like, well, "He's like, is this the church office?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> like, he just walked in. I'm glad it wasn't Chris because that'd have been pretty freaky. Okay. I'd have to write her in prison for murder of shooting the guy probably. But um, no, but, that, but that's just how it was, and she put up with it. Okay, we'd have to rearrange the kids' bedrooms for Sunday school class. It was also this whole thing. Again, long story short. Uh, I worked for the first four years until we grew enough and then we built. And um, some of you know, my dad, he, he donated something. I remember this phone call that we needed to add on to the building. And my dad calls me up and he says, hey, I got something bittersweet for you. He had something in his barn that he wanted to donate to the church. And when he told me what it was, I, I, I kind of cried a little bit. Yeah, because it was something that I grew up with and had one day hoped to possess. It was a 1965 convertible Corvette. Yeah, had all the options. Hardtop convertible, air-conditioned, teak wood steering wheel, knockoff wheels, had 10,000 miles on it. It was a car that I used to pull out of the garage, wash wax, and pull it back into the garage with one day thinking, I'm going to have this, baby. Uh, You know, not in a bad way, because I love my parents. I don't want them to go anywhere. But he said, I'm going to do something bittersweet, and he said, I'm donating the car to, to your building fund. And I was like... Thank you. Thank you. So Chris and I got to drive it around with a car show. We ended up selling it out of, the, out of 40 feet on the building. And it grew, you know, and it was just a cool deal. Um, and then it grew some more, and we built another building, and then we built one in between. So that was four building projects, or actually three there. And then we relocated here. All right? It was all a process. But during the first, you know, a couple, several, four years, okay, I was painting so I could pastor. I had been full-time already, and then I had to go back to, to work in a full-time job. And what I was doing had a purpose, and there was a plan, but at $300 a month, I was preparing three messages a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And then there was a point where Chris and I had to lead worship. That was rough. That was bad. That was bad. It was too good to not believe. Uh, I'll tell you that. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah. Remember the gong show? <laughs> We took the gong out of the church. It was like, no, we tried it. It was, it was rough. I don't know how we did it, except for we had a good core of people and we had a God that gave us a vision of what could be, okay? But it was hard. And I'm looking back going, how in the world did I get through that? 
I remember coming home like Wednesday nights, like at 10 to 7, I'm getting off work and there's people showing up at the house and I come in with paint all over myself. You know, it was kind of like Jonah coming out of the whale. He was all white. And this, this was not God. This was just paint. And going into the shower, just trying to scrub paint off and then getting out to teaching a Bible study. And just doing that week after week after week. Well, after about four years, the church finally was growing enough that we were able to be full time. And it was like, praise God, right? Praise God. See, when you have a vision for making a difference in this world, it's amazing what you'll do to push through the, the plans that God has. And, and I want to show you something. When we, when we moved here, and this was a, this whole property, the six and a half acres, wasn't even for sale. It wasn't for sale. I talked to the guy who had served as the LDS bishop recently, and, um, and I, I asked him about, hey, were you interested in selling the property? Uh, very, very good man. And he agreed to, okay, and again, I'm telling you a long story, making it longer. Um, he agreed to sell it to us. And so, so we bought it, signed the papers. And he's like, boy, I just don't really want to sell this to you. But I told you I would, kept his word. And, and three weeks later, he calls me up. He says, hey, can I, I'll give you 50,000 more than I paid you, or than you paid me for that property to buy it back. And I was like, Bob, I was like, no, thanks. We're good. We're good. It was like this whole God thing, right? And we got a pretty good deal on it. And then we built this facility. And I want to show you what's been hanging around for a while because our heart with this facility was three years. That's why there's a cattle chute and not a big foyer, right? Because this board, I think was drawn in 2005, all right? This is where you're sitting right here, all right? We had, and we figured three to four years, we'll build our new worship facility. <laughs> you, ever, you ever make God laugh when you tell him your timing? It doesn't work, right? And so what we did is, is, uh, is our, our building staff man, made some really great decisions and we made it a, a phase two project, phase one, phase two. So when we built this facility, we had all the, everything stubbed out, out there. We were preparing for the future of power, water, sewer, everything. We paid the fees up front, praise God, because now they're nuts, right? Um, so we have a lot of our things already paid for underground because we have a vision of what could be. Now, I'm thinking three to four years, right? This is a gymnasium. We'll, this will be our kids center and then we'll build a new building. And then, you know, four years go by, then five years and seven years and 10 years. And, and now 16 years later, right? From the original building, we have steel sitting out there. All right? We have steel sitting out there. Um, building's a little bit different. The parking will be out there. And on the back, uh, actually on the the back screen when you go out by the clock is our layout. You can see that. Uh, we have two ball fields. It, it didn't turn out exactly the way we had it planned, but what plan ever does, right? What, what I know about God is he has a timing. And in this time that we are to build now is his timing. Had we built 10 years ago, we might be in trouble. God knows the timing and he knows the plans and God has his plans. We have our plans and we have to be okay when God changes the plans because God always knows what's perfect. Okay, I'm telling you get this because you have a purpose in life and you may be confused. You might say, well, I got these plans. That's good. You should plan, but expect God to change them a little bit if he needs to. You got to be okay with that. But you have a purpose. You have a reason for existing, but vision will carry you when you feel like quitting. See, Scott taught us this last week and I made it a slide. When you know the why, you'll put up with the what. I know why, why, why was I painting? Why was I doing it? Because, I knew, because of that because of what could be, of what God would do. We had no clue what would happen in CUNA. There was 3,500 people here when we moved here. Like 3,500 people, okay? Now there's 3,500 people you have to wait for just to get out of the parking lot after church, okay? It's crazy. Well, then we had the recession, 
Okay, then the recession hit, it hit our church, it hit families in the church. And, and I was like, well, I'll go paint houses again. So I started my business back up and was painting houses and, uh, and God blessed it. You know, I figured if the apostle Paul can make tents, I could paint some houses. Yeah. And as I was painting those houses, I remember one particular house, okay, and this was, was early on, uh, not the recession, but previously, that, that I painted this lady's house, sweet lady, and when I painted all of her trim, this beigey color, it was pink. It turned pink. It looked pink, seriously. And, and, she, and, and she walks in and she starts crying. Now that's bad because they were not tears of joy. She was like, ah, oh, it's beautiful. It's like, oh, what happened? And we, we looked at the color. Everything, it matched. It was the, how the light came into her house, the car, I mean, the color, and it, and it was pink. And she's like, will you repaint it? And it was a big house. I was like, I don't want to repaint it. I'm a man of God. I should be preaching, not painting. But I did. Repainted the whole thing. As I was in the middle of repainting the whole thing, my machine broke. And you ever have those moments, guys, and I know you do, that you were doing what God has asked you to do. You were doing what it takes. And the machine plugged up. I got some bad paint, sucked up all the stuff. And I didn't know what was the problem was. And it wouldn't work. And I remember sitting down on the stairs of the two-story house and just crying, just tears coming down my face, just saying, God, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, I, I, am, I want a pastor full-time. I don't want to paint houses. I, don't, I just don't want to do this anymore. And I would love to tell you that I heard a voice from heaven. <laughs> it was nothing but silence. It was more like the Holy Spirit saying, better get the machine fixed. It ain't going to paint itself. <laughs> But seriously, just tears coming down. I mean, so this lady cried at the house. I cried at the house. There's probably still crying at the house. <laughs> the reason I tell you the story, guys, is that you may be facing something now that is just hard. It's frustrating. And, and you have a vision of what should be and what can be and maybe where you're going, but it's like these speed bumps you hit or these detours in life. You'll have those moments. You see what you, you may not know, you may know if you've been in church a while is that the book of Psalms was written mostly by David. And when you read through the Psalms, he is passionate about pain sometimes. And he, he's crying out to God. He's saying, God, I have been abandoned. I've been forsaken. He's in a cave. He's hiding in a cave. Somebody's trying to kill him. One of them is his son is trying to kill him. King Saul is trying to kill him. People are after him. And here he is supposed to be the king. Okay, and he made some bad decisions that got him into the cave, but he's running and he's in a cave and he's just crying out to God, saying, God, where are you? Where are you? And, and God doesn't always answer us when we're in the cave. The question is, what are we going to do when we're in the cave? And what are we going to do when we feel like giving up? What are we going to do when we have those frustrating moments and we got the tears and we have the, like, what is going on? Uh, let me tell you something. God always knows what's going on. I think sometimes just God lets you be by yourself. He doesn't leave you, but I think he watches to see what you're going to do. Because if you give up when it gets hard, you're just another average person. God wants you to get through it. And again, I don't know what you're facing right now, but God wants you to get through it. He needs you to get through it. He, he's, he's on your side. He is with you. I promise he is with you. You may not feel him, but he's with you. He's, he's like a dad that's tailing his little boy that wants to go for a walk in the woods, right? Yeah, go for a walk. But dad's kind of watching. Well, actually, maybe dad's not watching. Mom would be watching. Dad's like, yeah, go in the woods. You're, you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> probably how it is. All right. And when you know the why, you'll put up with the what. See, vision of what can be in hard work will make it happen. It will make it happen. And we're going to build a facility, and it's going to be great. question is, why are we going to build it? And it's going to cost more and take longer. That's always what happens. 
But here's what we're doing and why we're doing it. We're doing it to reach our community. Okay, it's going to be a cool building. Don't get me wrong. Our design team, thank the Lord. I mean, honestly, Jesus, thank you that we have a design team. Because for me, I would have just built a box. Yeah. And it would have been like poor coffee, right? A little plumper, because it's cheap, right? When I heard how much the coffee maker was, I about choked. I was like, commercial coffee machine, like a big espresso. It's like I could buy a nice car with that. You know, you know, at least make two house payments in CUNA. Um, but it's expensive, right? It'd be a good thing. But here's what I know is, is things like coffee are important. They really are. Wow, best clap I got all day. Um, so you remember that 20000 I said was community outreach is to buy better coffee than where? No, that's not what it is, right? If a pastor's DV, he's, he's like, up on, good coffee is important. Okay, for me, I, I, I pollute it enough that it doesn't matter what brand it is. Like, there's enough sugar and creamer in it. All right, so here's our goal, right? With our new building, and my goal, again, I, I did not, I didn't even know ministry was coming. When I was in high school, I mean, I love Jesus. I grew up serving Jesus, but I was gonna be a mechanic. That's what I wanted to do. I love fixing engines, and I still get to work on engines, but I worked in my dad's shop. I worked on Caterpillars. I worked on, you know, we call them crummies or pickups, and, and I, did, I was very mechanical growing up. Um, and, and that's what I was going to do, but God changed that. And it wasn't like some evangelist came to my high school. I went to a Christian high school where we actually lived there. It was like four years of a boarding school. Um, not, it wasn't too far from our house, about a three-hour drive. But, but that's where I went, out of choice. And people were like, were you sent there? Uh, probably should have been, but I wasn't. All right. And, and I don't remember this. Nobody came and preached on the call of God. It was just that I knew that I knew that I knew that that's what I was supposed to do. My dad was a logger, my grandpa was a logger, and I was just going to be a mechanic. Uh, again, if you want to make God laugh, they tell you, tell God your plans. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't plan, okay? God give you gifts and abilities. Uh, and, and here's my goal. So my goal, our goal, is not to build a big church. That's not, that's not my goal. The, the, more, the more sheep you got, the more trouble there is. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. Um, all right? But also the more effective you are, Okay? And we want to be effective. That's what we want to do. So our goal is not to build a big church. If that was the case, I wouldn't preach all the truth. I wouldn't call sin for what it was. I would just tiptoe around it. And I'd stop talking about that, right? But we call, we call sin for what it is because it's important. My goal here in our goal is a healthy church. That's a, we want to build a healthy church, a place where we see salvation, where we see people come to know Jesus Christ, and we see those of you who have given your lives to Jesus Christ grow in your faith. That's what we want. And, and in doing that, okay, we're going to have a really cool coffee shop for those of you. Man, I mentioned coffee twice, and that was the best amen. We are a shallow church. We just have an altar call right here. Um, got, coffee is from the Lord, right? No, we're going to have a coffee shop, and it's going to be a place where we can build community. There's going to be tables and stuff where you can sit around while the preacher is not preaching. Or if you went to first service, you can hang out, right? But it's a place to build community. That's why we're doing it. Our kids' wing is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be amazing. You will not be able to hear your kids scream. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be awesome, right? Like, we should have never put the nursery right there, but we did. Um, or the bathrooms right there, but we did, because this was a gymnasium, right? So again, when you might come in and go, why did they design it this way? This was short term. Yeah. But with God, you know, a thousand years is like a day, that day is like a thousand years, and what's, what's 13 years, right? But our new facility is going to be amazing. It's going to be great, and it's going to be what I call it as a greenhouse. It's a place where it's a safe, healthy environment that we can grow spiritually. That's what's what it's about. Hey, it's going to be great. So many people simply accept life as it happens rather than making life happen. 
And I want us today to, to make something happen, to be like David who sees opportunity and has already been practicing, he's already been doing you know, what he needs to do behind the scenes so that when the opportunity comes, he's able to take on Goliath. See, when he saw Goliath was not the first time he slung his little sling. Okay? He'd been practicing. Okay? So Pastor CB, I believe, is going to take that part of it in a couple weeks. Uh, but, but it's what we do in the preparation is really hidden. It's not really seen by people. But God is going to provide opportunities, and then you will know why you have gone through what you've gone through. And you're going to have that Goliath moment to go, oh, that's why I've been dealing with all this stuff. God was preparing me for this moment. Okay. Pastor Stevie gave you permission to take your phones out. I told you to put them away. I am now going to be like Pastor Stevie and ask you to take your phones out again. Because I want you to take a picture of this. You're getting homework. You're getting homework, (laughs) y'all. Give me an amen or we'll stay another hour. All right, thank you, okay? I'm ready to be done, okay? All right, here, here it is, all right? Number one, how would you, let me, actually, let me get out of your way. <laughs> Don't even, no comments on that one at all. All right. How would you describe your life? There's questions I want you to, talk, to ask yourself this week. Are you achieving what you desire? Are you accomplishing things that are important to you? And are you making a difference? And do you know your purpose in life? This is out of John Maxwell's book called Today Matters. Uh, those are important questions, okay? And here's what I know is if you don't take a picture, you'll probably just describe your life. <laughs> My life stinks, man. All right, no, but it's important to describe it, like Scott said last week, is so that you know how to get to where you want to go, okay? You, you, again, you'll put up with the what if you know what the why is, okay? You know what the why is. Last, last slide. You won't end up at a dead end if you know where you're going, okay? You'll definitely hit detours, but not dead ends. David hit a lot of detours, as we'll cover in his life, okay? But, but when you know a map, and you have a map, and you know your destination, you won't get lost, okay? Because you'll, you'll watch and see where to go. Again, details, absolutely, okay? But not dead ends, okay? Next part of your homework is, is read uh, 1 Samuel 16, so when we get into it next week, um, you kind of have a good idea of, of what we're talking about. So anyhow, did this help anybody today? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm actually preaching shorter than I did first service. I told first service I let them out late because Scott let them out early last week. So it was kind of, it was kind of like detention spiritually, right? Um, but you were such a good crowd today listening that I'll let you out earlier than I did the last time I preached. But I hope this helps somebody. Okay, Guys, listen to me. You have a purpose. You do. And some of you right now, you're like, I call it Dave in a cave. Like you're going, what in the world is going on? God, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to do things right. And here's the results. And God would say to you today, just hang in there. I'm doing something that you don't know nothing about, but you're going to see. Okay. It's like the plans. God has a plan. We just want the plan. I mean, I would, I would love to walk out of this building right now and see that whole structure done. Wouldn't that be amazing? Your car, your car would be trapped, but the, 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 the structure would be, wouldn't that be awesome to show up and have like a God moment to go, whoa, Jericho was built. Let's, let's have church next. That is probably not going to happen. Okay. And I don't think God's going, oh, I was going to do it till you just spoke doubt. No, it's a process. Okay. Progress is always a process. So you bow your heads with me. I do have a question for you. And the question is a serious question. It's, it's what are you doing with eternity? Okay, guys, every single one of us will die. Every single one of us will take our last breath. And the Bible is very clear, okay, that, that if we take our last breath without having accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, that hell is where we will go. There's a heaven and there's a hell. I believe that. The Bible teaches that. 
and, and the reason that God sent his son Jesus down to die for us and to resurrect three days later from the grave is so that we wouldn't go there. That he came to pay for our sins, but we have to ask him to do that. We have to ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins. And if you need to make that decision today, if you've never done that, if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to, okay, I'm not here to pressure you or make you because I can't do that, but if you want to, if that's something you want, I'm going to ask you to be bold and brave, just me and you and the Lord. If you just lift your hand up where I can see it, say, Stan, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus today. If you need this forgiveness, okay, if you need this forgiveness, you want to go to heaven, you have to make that decision to serve him. Is there anybody at all that needs to make that decision? I'm not going to take a long time, but if that's you, okay. All right, don't see any hands. Okay, look up at me, all right. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Does rapture happen right now? Yeah. Okay. Rapture ready. Be rapture ready. Be rapture ready. Hey, I would like to close. Let's, let's pray for Ukraine, if we would. I'd like to close with that. Um, I have several friends that are from there. Uh, they're in ministry around the valley. I know there's a, there's a, a church down the road that's uh, mostly from that area. It's a Slavic church. So, Father, we just come before you. And, uh, Lord, we know that war has been a part of history since the beginning. But I also have seen your hand as I read the Bible stories where you intervened on behalf of innocent people. And Father, I just pray, especially for the Christians in Ukraine, um, I pray, Lord, that, that your will would be done. I pray you protect them um, and that you would just, again, turn weapons on their own enemies. Father, people with evil intent, that you would intervene. Uh, that, that Again, there's a lot of Christians there, but I pray that people would see your hand and this would start a revival. Pray for your protection and that you would just uh, take control of this thing. And we love you and give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you read Old Testament stories... You see where enemies got turned to each other. God even used hornets in one Bible story to get to the enemy. I love that. All right. So I think it's okay to pray that way. All right. Love y'all. Thank you so much. Uh, life groups tonight, Wednesday night church, seven o'clock. If you like verse by verse Bible study, show up. Have a wonderful day.